Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration. I'm your host, Stephen Pinecker, and I'm very excited about this guest I have out. Now, last June, I was uh, out in Utah for the Mormon History Association. And that Sunday, um, Sandra Tanner opened up her um, uh, bookstore for me and Rick Bennett. And we visited for like three and a half hours, just basically off the record, great conversation. But I remember... Uh, Sandra goes to me and says, and I'm, I'm sure she said your name because uh, she said, do you know Allison Biggers? And, and I said, no. I said, well, she's doing something very similar to what you're doing. And I said, what's that? And she said, well, she's, she's befriending people. She's making yeah. friends with people. And, and I think that's what Sandra saw early on in what I was doing. So I remember just throughout the summer, I'd be like, I wonder about that girl in Utah. You know, wonder, wonder if she's watching my program. And, you know, I, I kind of just had you in the back of my head. And then last fall, you reached out to me and we've uh, become fast friends and yeah. Allison Biggers I just want to welcome you to Mormon Book Reviews. Thank you thank you Steve thank you for having me and um you extended an invite last year and I was hesitant and um now I just feel like God is telling me to finally uh share my story for so long I felt like I didn't have a story that my stories were a combination of everyone that I have walked beside, but recently I've realized I do have a story and the Lord's prompting me to finally tell it. So thank awesome. you. I'm really glad you're doing this. And, you know, just before we get started, folks, I got to do some shameless promoting. The merch store is open. So go to mormonbookreviews.com and you can get hats. You can get, oh, look at the green screen. It's messing up in my head. I just realized that. So we got hats. We got coffee mugs. Look at that. That's so awesome. Thank you very much, Allison, for purchasing a coffee mug. I am a shameless fangirl of Mormon Book Reviews and Stephen Pinecker. Oh, thank you so much. So either way, mormonbookreviews.com, the merch store is open. So thanks for buying that cup. That really helps. And I greatly appreciate it. So this is really cool where uh, you were, you're kind of, uh, one of the most interesting things that I have found is that um, when I started this channel, uh, people started coming out of the woodwork who would describe themselves as never mo fans of Mormonism or the Book of Mormon. And in one sense, you could say that you're one of those people. So um, that's why I love about you is you have this great story to tell. And so I want you to start tell your story. Let's kind of start from the beginning. Let's go. Uh, you're originally from Tennessee, yes. And I want you to maybe just tell us a little bit about your background, and then and then how you started encounter Mormonism. Awesome, awesome. Yes, I was born and raised in Memphis, suburb outside of Memphis would be Germantown, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that coffee was good. <laughs> um, and one of my best friends growing up was LDS. And we lived in, in a neighborhood in a part of town where there were not many Mormons at all. Um, and her parents, uh, I came to found out, find out that they converted from being Baptist to being LDS. And it just, it just got me, it got me a little interested and I was, I was young-ish. I was probably like a, what do they call it now, tween? You know, I was like definitely not a teenager yet, but 
and I was Presbyterian. So that's what church my family went to. And I just formed an everlasting friendship with my friend and her family um, that way. Uh, And it's continued today. I just, I just adore, I adore them. I adore them. Um, I would say that over the years, it's just been fascinating as a teenager to kind of watching my friend in school every once in a while, um, people would slightly bring up polygamy in front of my friend and my friend, I could tell didn't really have an answer. And I got very defensive when I watched her try to, as best she could, defend her faith. Um, I could tell it embarrassed her and she didn't quite know what to say. And I I remember being, this was probably like a junior and senior in high school and I shut it down. I, I said, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, leave her alone. You have no clue what you're talking about. They don't do that anymore. The church doesn't do that anymore. And so it's so funny that even as a late teen, I was just staunchly protective over my my friend and her faith um yeah that's that's how you know one of the things you had you had mentioned to me before was that her family was a um they were converted from the southern baptist convention to presbyterianism maybe talk about the dynamics within her family weren't there some tensions and issues in her family once they when they converted Yes, from what I understand, and I, you know, for their for their privacy, and I hope they do see this. Um, I do recall, uh, I do recall walking into their home one day, and the her grandfather called, who was still Baptist, and there were some hushed conversation in front of me between her mother and my friend, and. Essentially what happened was um, the grandfather meant well, but his conversation with his daughter, which is my friend's mother, um, was not conducive to ongoing conversation and dialogue. Instead, it ended up causing a huge rift. Not, I don't know, huge rift. I don't want to speak for them, but it caused a period of discord in the family and I just remember thinking, oh, this, oh, this breaks my heart. Why do, why do, you know, I'm going to put the word evangelical, you know, you and I talked, you know, evangelical can mean such a broad range of beliefs and whatnot. So I'm going to throw the Baptist denomination in with the evangelicals and the Baptists that are watching, go ahead and, you know, you know, get mad in the comments. That's fine. I'm a big girl. I can handle it. But there was not, um, there was not, there was not a bonding on Christ. Instead, there was a ripping away and ripping apart the rather new faith that my friends and her family had embraced. And it broke my heart. And I thought there's got to be a better way. Why are the evangelicals, why, why are the this man or, you know, the church, whatnot, why are they not extending an olive branch for Christ? 
you know, yes, their doctrines now and beliefs of God or, you know, Jesus being our brother and God being a man in flesh. Yeah, that's completely different from being a Southern Baptist, but that's what they believe now. So let's have, let's have some respect and love, you know, it's just, um, and I know we meant well, but it just frustrated me even as a teen. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, you know, it's so interesting because I, I was having a conversation with a pastor in Nevada the other day, uh, um, just kind of getting to know him because he's, he comes from Mormon background, but he's a minister, he's a Christian minister, and his father's a Christian minister, and I guess his father, his mother's a Mormon, and so he's got Mormons in the family, but as, I was, as I'm talking to this guy, he has these really, really, really strong opinions about Mormonism, but he doesn't really know much about it. And it's like, he's basically spouting off a lot of Godmaker stuff. It's almost like, and, and, and I'm just like, you know, I was telling my friend who was in on the call, I said, you know, I don't know if you should have strong opinions about stuff you really don't know much about. And, <laughs> and, and I've realized that as I know a lot, I have less and less strong opinions. It's almost like, as you know more about a subject, you, uh, you, you, it actually humbles you. Yes. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And, and so I, uh, what's that? It should that you should, you should, I think you should get to a point in your, in your knowledge and growth, you know, as far as what we do, where you are in a position to always be teachable. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And I tell people in order to be a teacher, you need to be teachable. And that's mm -hmm. the most important thing because you miss out on things. If you really think you'll have all the answers, you're going to miss out on a lot of stuff. And I even tried to, I pulled out the songs of Zion hymn book and told him about the Church of Jesus Christ and how this, this miraculous hymn book comes out. And I would have never, ever had the opportunity to hear this wonderful story about this church if I had that attitude of putting up barriers. And uh, I think that that's a lot, what happens is these, 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 a lot of these evangelicals put up these barriers and they, and, and they miss out on a lot. Yes. And, it, you know, it just, I think, 100% I think that they mean well I don't think there's vindictiveness in them but the way that it, it's gone about is not something that um, I can stand on the sidelines and say rah rah you know you're doing it right you know? yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like Jesus um, I think he's got like you know the famous image that's all over the internet but it's true I believe Jesus is up there going oh, like, you know, oh, do you have to do that? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's very true. So I think that, I don't know, I, I've just learned so much while on this journey. And of course, you've learned a lot on this journey too. Now, I want to uh, talk a little bit, just a little bit about yourself. So you, uh, you're from Tennessee and you were actually a DJ for a while, like on a top 40 radio station? I, I was, um, I was, I come from a family that was in country radio. I knew, I knew nothing different. Um, growing up, my father was, uh, he started a radio station. He was in, just, you know, an incredible guy in his career. Um, just wonderful in, in his career. Everyone thought very highly of him. Um, he started all kinds of radio stations and he was a broadcasting consultant. When I was in high school at the time, we lived in Memphis and there was a position opened for a weekend disc jockey. That's what they were called in the nineties. Okay. 
98, 99, they were called disc jockeys. Now everything is all on, you know, satellite. So, you know, um, which did a lot for people that actually went to work every single day, you know, that, that didn't help their income, but I did, I was able to, um, to snag a part-time job. I did some during the day on the weekend, but I mainly did the overnight shift as a teenager and I loved it. I loved it. Let me tell you, the graveyard shift brings out some interesting folks calling to request music. Absolutely. But it was a, it was a great experience. And I thought for a long time that, that this is what I want to do. I want to work in country radio. I want to work in the music business. And I just, I, I just, I even went to school uh, at MTSU for music business and it just, I, I just stalled. I was not successful in getting into the classes and I went through a period of depression, um, very lost, very confused for a long time. And, um, you know, I fast forward many years later, I ended up um, working as a sales rep on Music Row for probably, arguably, one of the top five radio stations in the world for country. Um, I, I was pretty good at it, but I didn't like it. <laughs> um, every, every month, you know, you have to start over with a quota, and it was just like, oh, like it was just, I just didn't care for it. Um, it just wasn't for me. And I'm glad it didn't work out because, mm. yeah. Interesting. What's that? What you think you want is, for the most part, not what God wants until you find out later in life. I mean, some people can figure it out early and then they're just good with it. But, yeah. I'm, I'm a total geek about radio stuff, so I'm glad that you shared that <laughs> with me. Um, so, uh, so, so you have an interesting background. Again, you're in the middle of the Bible Belt. There really aren't a whole lot of LDS folk, except for your friend. And yet you, you, he had an interest. In, and of course, you're defending your friend. So you have a bit of an interest in it. Let me ask you, just before we um, talk about really delving into it, how much about Mormonism did you read about like while you were a tween and in high school in regards to your friend? Did you do much research? Not a lot. Not a lot. Um... No, I, not a lot. Enough to know that the first vision of Joseph Smith seeing, um, seeing the Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ did not line up with what I was taught in the Bible. Um, not that they were at all proselytizing to me. I just was asking questions and I, you know, I didn't know my quote unquote scriptures, you know, I would call it Bible, but here they call it scriptures. I didn't know. I didn't know. I, I knew them well enough to know that in my opinion, so I'm not trying to bash on the faith, but in my belief system, that would never happen. Um, so I was never drawn to wanting to go or anything like that but my friend did tell me within the last few years that I did attend a, a young women's event where we made apple pie which sounds 
like a perfect young women's activity. Uh, she remembers it. I do not. Um, so she's probably right. <laughs> oh, fascinating. Fascinating. So, so, okay. So um, I guess I want to ask you, so uh, was there anything in about the, within the, in the era of the nineties that you want to cover before we transition into your starting to get interested in Mormonism? Um, no, yeah, uh, Heaven's Gate fascinated the heck out of me. Mm -hmm. Um, that was the beginning of just broadening, broadening what all I wanted to know about religion, but not the stereotypical Christian Protestant religion. Like that really opened my mind. I couldn't get enough reading about it. So years later, when I find out Randy Bell is so, you know, intricately involved, I'm just geeking out like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Uh, I mean, it wasn't cool at the time and it was awful. You know, the mass suicide, it was awful. But, um, but other than that, that's kind of when I started my interest in religions that weren't Protestant. Got it. I that's interesting. Well, that's good. That's good. Okay. So, um, so in the, in, in the early 2000s, you um, started getting interested a little bit more in Mormonism. Maybe talk a little bit what, what caused you to get to delve into it. Let's see. Um, I do recall that I, I specifically remember, remember this. I believe it was in 2002 uh, when CNN, I believe, was like the only news station. I was in my dorm room and... I got alerted on the screen. They did a quick video of these people whose prophet had died and they were fundamentalist Mormons. Now, before everyone starts saying, well, you're fundamentalist. No, 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 no. These were the FLDS. And yes, their attire, their dress, 100% attracted to me to figure out what in the world is going on. And Rulon had died and they showed footage of everyone going to the funeral. Um, and I, I just couldn't get enough. And I walked over, these were the old days, you know, where you had an actual big computer and I walked over my door room and I typed in all this information and I just fell down the rabbit hole of what specifically the founding church believed. And in that, I started to learn more about plural marriage. Um, yeah, I couldn't get enough of it. And it, you know, it would wane off and on through the years, but that was just, just extremely fascinating to me. Um, one of the so was it around this time that you were in you had mentioned uh, like a book like Shattered Dreams uh, and, and and also Out of Mormonism those were kind of books that kind of informed you at this time yes Shattered Dreams is a book about the LeBaron group in Mexico um I think that came out around 2005 or 2007 there's another book that I read and it fascinated the heck out of me. Nobody ever talks about it, but it's really good. And it's called Out of Mormonism. Mm -hmm. And let's see what the author is, Robertson. Robertson is the author, G.D. Robertson. And in this, she really dives deep into the culture of 
what it's like. Um, if she lived in Utah or not. I think she did. Anyway, um, just the culture of living a life in the church and um, questioning and wanting to leave and everything that's entwined with that. And it just, it was just super fascinating to me. Um, but at the time I did not have, um, you know, Deseret Book is not in, at this time I lived in Nashville um, and, and Deseret Book was not anything that we had there and access to a lot of positive things about the church was not readily available in Nashville, Tennessee. You know, it's just, it just, so I got my hands on everything I could. Um, Cause a lot of the stuff you would have probably would like I, or a lot early on in my, you know, exploration of Mormonism, a lot of it would have been anti-Mormon stuff that you would have first been, had easier access to. Um, <laughs> and same thing happened to you? Yes. And I just take everything with a grain of salt. So it's not that I don't believe someone, but I do want to get both sides of the story. That's still extremely important to me. Uh, let's get both sides. And then I, as someone that's, you know, absorbing the content, I can make up my decision on what I believe. And um yeah yeah I mean we didn't have the internet then no we did but not you know right you know or even a Kindle I don't even know if Kindles were really available or affordable yeah, yeah. So, so you don't have access to the same yeah so it was a minimal amount of information so for me you know I, I was doing a, some a little bit earlier than you when I really started delving into it of course I had to go to the library to get right. all my information and and now because very little was online that you could actually get but i mean i would check out the encyclopedia of mormonism set everything you know and just read that yeah so i uh, and yeah you've got some interesting stuff back behind you by the way i mean uh, uh you you actually have the encyclopedia of mormonism in your bookshelf oh, yeah, i think i think i do um i think i think i do but i have all kinds of I have all kinds of stuff. I'm sure a lot of my fundamental friends can recognize. Oh, um, I've got tons of stuff on there from, you know, celestial marriage, like certain book sets. Um, I've got all kinds of goodies. I have my two um, bookends are Brigham Young and Joseph Smith. And um, I've got the original Mormon, Mormon doctrine book. I don't know if it's up there. Oh, wow. Yeah, cool. Is that the uh, first edition? It's the first edition. Oh, second. Wow. I, I wasn't quite sure after I got it, but then I, I called Sandra and she's like, no, 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 you got the good one. You got the good one. I was like, sweet. I have the Gold Book of Mormon. Um, I have all kinds of really nerdy things. And awesome. I like, I have that little character on the, it's a Porter Rockwell bobblehead doll. Awesome. Love because, it. Because why not? Exactly. So, yeah. That's great. So I think this is awesome because, of course, you know, we, as I said in the intro, you know, the, the, pe pe people being fans, what does that mean? Well, because it's just a genuinely interesting subject. And so people come out of the woodwork and start telling me similar stories and even even people and i think you even mentioned this to me that like when i had mentioned like how mormonism saved my life that it was even in the deep dark depression 
that I would be studying Mormonism was like the only thing that was keeping my interest. Did you have a similar experience as well? I did. I did. Um, not as not as deep as yours, but um, I, I too struggle from depression and anxiety and all that fun stuff. But over the years, um, that was what I clung to. I don't have an admirable thought of Joseph Smith. So in your Mormon stories interview, which was fantastic, uh, that's where I thought, nah, I don't agree with him on that. But I do agree with the, the fascination. It's like, it's like Scientology. It's like, you know, people say that Mormonism and Scientology are similar, which by the way, I did study Scientology for years out of interest not to join. And the thing about Scientology is it only goes so deep and then you stop. Mormonism, there's always something new that's uncovered. It's always changing. Um, and it's fascinating. So I clung to learning about the policies, procedures, history, and you know, even up until today, like I still get magazines from the church and LDS Living. I want to know what's going on. So that's great. Yeah. I think that's yeah. wonderful, and I think that's the right approach. And, and and so you really started delving into it around the year 2011, and and it actually even had to do with some of your um, education. Maybe just talk a little bit about that as well. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I, I took a break from college. I don't know. I, I feel like most people took a break. I don't know. Good for you if anybody finishes in four years without taking a break, because <laughs> I did not. And at, at 31, I went back. Ooh, I have an Alice Cooper story, by the way. Oh, good. I have, to, I have to tell you about that. So at 31, I went, who, by the way, was raised Mormon uh, Alice Cooper. Um, I worked at Target and I thought this is, you know, this is ridiculous, Allison, go back to school, get your degree, whatever it's meant to be in, you know, I knew it wasn't going to be in sociology, but just go back to school and get your degree. So I was 31 and real fast, because I will forget I have ADD, uh, one Sunday, one very early Sunday, uh, this man came in and I was over the front end of the, the registers and this is in Nashville. Okay. So seeing Cheryl Crow and Tim and Faith, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill, like everything was really, that, that wasn't a big deal, you know, cause you saw them everywhere, but this man walked in really early and I radioed a gentleman and I said, and, and I just had to say it. I said, guys, I, I got to be honest with you. This, this guy came in, he must've had a really long night last night. His hair is jet black. He's got eyeliner all over his face. This guy, God bless him. Cause you know, that's what we say in the cell. I said, God bless him. He looks like he's Alice Cooper. I just feel bad for the guy. And, uh, I, cause I radioed one of the, the managers and at the time they had a floor where they could look out on top of the store. And my coworker said, well, it actually may be because he lives here and he's part owner of the predators hockey team. And I thought that's, no that's Alice Cooper. And it absolutely was. And I just thought that was 
hilarious. And within 10 minutes after he checked out, people were swarming at him. Um, and I just, it was, it was crazy. And I had to literally usher him out of the store on a Sunday morning. And this is the nicest, nicest guy. Um, he looked at my name tag and he said, when he was walking out the door, he said, looked at my name tag. He's like, Allison, thank you so much, Allison. <laughs> no problem, Mr. Cooper. <laughs> That's great. Well, you know, this is nice guy really nicest guy one of one of my favorite things about mormonism is folklore now one of the things i want to bring up to you is that you actually uh, gave us some mormon folklore which was that alice cooper was a mormon well that's only partially true oh. alice cooper he came from the church of jesus christ uh based out of Monagahilla, pennsylvania his grandfather was the president of the church and his father is an evangelist. In the, I call him the Pentecostal Mormons. So a lot of people think that 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 Ellis Cooper was Mormon, but he actually was part of the Church of Jesus Christ. So not a mainstream Mormon, right? A part of a different. Yep. I don't sect is the right word, but a completely different church in in and of itself. Yep. Yep. Well, I just learned something. You just schooled. Yeah, so I hope to get Alice on because, of course, Alice Cooper um, is a uh, now an evangelical born again Christian. I didn't know that. Yes, and so I like to tell I like to tell my Mormon friends. I said he went from Team Restoration to Team Evangelical. So I want to. Nobody's ever asked um, Alice Cooper about his. He goes on Christian television and gives his testimony, but they never ask him about his being part of the Church of Jesus Christ. And uh, so I want, that's why I want to get him on is because I think it would just be absolutely fascinating to have him being raised in a Book of Mormon believing church and then becoming Alice Cooper and then becoming a born again Christian. I, that blows my mind. I did not know that. I, I, you just schooled me on this. I had no clue. That's, that's, thank you. <laughs> this is See, You have to be teachable. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, um, so you basically, you uh, then go back to school, and uh, you said you took a break, and you had, and then actually Mormonism plays a major role in your education. So let's just talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So before I went back to school, around that time, I started to dive into the culture of. Mormonism, mainly out here in Utah and, you know, Idaho and whatnot, because the, the, the church in different parts of the country is so different than out here. And I, I just couldn't get enough of reading. Of, there was a board called Recovery from Mormonism. So, and, and it was titled RFM, which is weird because now when people talk about RFM, they talk about literally the dude RFM, right? The man, right? One of the goats. And, um, but before then, all I knew was RFM, the, 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 the message board. And I just immersed myself in learning from women on the baby center, which is all women. And I went to the devout, you know, hardcore Orthodox page. And I just read and I, I'm very much like you. I, I was like a sponge and I couldn't get enough of it. 
And when I went back to school, all of my finishing up, all of my classes were centered around Mormonism and the teachers loved it. Mainly, um, I think one of my last years, I did um, a class, a statistics class on the Romney Romney versus Obama. I think that's what it, that's what he ran against. And clearly, I guess I can't remember because he lost. But I did, you know, stats on that, and I did a semester study on um, Warren Jeffs and the FLDS. Uh, and and all the teachers would would love it. And I presented at a couple symposiums because I wasn't trying to be salacious. This was when way before he was ever convicted and, and put in jail, like finally put in jail. So this was new to everybody. Everyone just thought, here's this girl uh, coming back to college and she's presenting all of this information. And this, unfortunately, as soon as you pop up an image of you know 50 women in pastel clothing looking up at Warren Jeffs, uh, it, it, it draws your attention. And I just immersed myself in that, as well as uh, Blacks in the Priesthood. That was another topic. I didn't do much of it. It was mainly focused around Mormonism. Um, I had a couple, couple girls in the class that were LDS, and during the presentation, I kept looking at them like, this is good, right? Am I doing a good job? Like, You're doing great. Yep, everything's right. Okay, okay. <laughs> so... Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was so fun. Um, very encouraging environment. And I just, I just got, I just kept getting bitten by the bug of, of the fascination in history and what's currently going on in the church. I just couldn't get enough of it. No, you, um, you, you, you presented a paper, right? About I, it did. As well? I did. I presented two different papers. Um, Maybe it was one at two seminars, but it was all about um, the the fundamental, the FLDS in Colorado City and Hilldale and the, the Crick and like that's who I focused on. Um, that's that's what I focused on. That's because that all stems back from my initial interest when Rulon Jeffs died, Jeff, Warren Jeffs' father. That's how it did almost a full circle, actually, 10 years later. Um, and I was able to tie everything in there. And it was just, you know, such a passion. And I did a little bit of master's degree. And I realized that my, my advisor said, oh, you want to you wanna help people uh, during a crisis of faith? You want to listen to people? That's what you want to do? And he said, I got to tell you, you know, getting a master's in sociology, it's not going to be beneficial. Like, you maybe need to get a degree in counseling and that kind of thing. And I thought, well, that's fruitless because this is not, you know, this is not what I want to do as far as getting, taking the time to get a degree in something that I don't think I need a degree in. And I didn't, not a, not a master's degree. So, so I, and just a little after this time, you actually come across this book called Unveiling Grace by Lynn Wilder. And then so just maybe talk about how that impacted you. Yeah. So after I graduated, I think her book came out in 20, um, I think maybe, I don't know. I have it right here, of course. 2013, I think. 
2013. Okay. So I read it and, you know, great timing, uh, perfect timing. I loved it. I think beside from the Bible, anybody that is questioning the church, um, should read it, especially women. I just think it's fantastic. And after I read it, I thought, oh, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm supposed to convert people. Maybe I'm supposed to help people get the heck out of the church. That's what I'm supposed to do. Ah, oh, I get it, God. That's what you want me to do. And boy, real fast, I thought, you know, first of all, you know, I, I, I just thought I, I'm, that's, that's a lost cause. The Holy Spirit just really convicted me. I'd say, I'd say within a week or, I mean, or maybe even a few days, it was really clear that because I was never Mormon, what I thought was my greatest weakness was actually my biggest strength because I was told by the Lord, no, Allison, you know, you're not Mormon for a reason. You're not in the church for a reason. Your job is to listen and there's no converting. There's no trying to get people out. That's not your job. That's not what I want from you. I want you to listen with all of the knowledge that you have gained over the years, especially with the culture, you listen. And that's what I'm doing. Listen <laughs> so. This is great. You know, and then as you, this, this is when you really start amping things up in this period of time. So you, um, you, you start taking trips to Salt Lake City, you, uh, you, you, then you go to Nauvoo, maybe just talk about that journey. Yeah, in 2014, um, I just thought, I've, I've got to get out to Utah. Like, my husband and I, we've got to start visiting Utah, and I couldn't get enough. I'm like, I've got to go, I've got to go. And as soon as we touched down, it felt like my soul belonged here. It was a very powerful, very powerful uh, visit to Temple Square. Um, it just felt like these are my people. Um, I couldn't get enough of the culture. Uh, you know, people complain a lot about the culture of Mormonism. And I, I understand that, but I also feel that there's so much of the culture that is so wonderful and such a rich history here and the pioneers, you know, all the way back from the Kirtland and all, and all that. It's just, it's such a, such a, a rich history um, that I remember one time we visited, I think about two times every single year. Uh, every time my husband would say, where do you want to go this year on vacation? And I would say, and he said, you want to go to Salt Lake, don't you? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and Mike being such a great husband, we, we did keep coming and we would meet more people and more people. And I remember one day we were at Orem at the Deseret bookstore and I saw this piece of art and it was not church related. It wasn't a religious art piece. Uh, it was a picture called, I think it was called The Difficult Lesson. And it was a, a girl and she was 
sitting on some stairs and she was reading some books and she she had her finger on you know a, a, a little book and she just kind of looked at you know the focal point of the picture and it it, it just really spoke to me because she was thinking mm, I don't know about this or she was thinking yeah this is interesting and it just really spoke to me and we splurged and we bought it we still have it and when we were checking out we had spent some time with this woman. Um, this is one of the coolest stories. We were spending some time with a woman who was helping us. And I don't know if they get a commission or not, but we were friendly. We had a Southern accent. She was talking to us. And when we were checking out, I did not realize that I had, I was wearing a cross. I did not know that. And I do not wear crosses a lot here because it kind of is a silent barrier. Um, for conversation. I just don't do it. And, you know, Jesus and I are good on that. He understands why I don't do it. I do it for a reason, but I didn't realize I was wearing a cross, but it was hidden by my shirt. So she didn't know. And I didn't feel a need to tell her that I wasn't, that I wasn't in the church. And when we were checking out, she was filling out all my information. Um, and she said, well, whereabouts do you live in Tennessee? And I told her, and she said, oh, that is amazing. My daughter is moving to that same town, which is small, small town outside of Nashville. And she said, um, I said, well, it's close to the temple. You know, the Nashville temple is not far from where I live. And she said, well, this just makes me so happy. Do you mind if I write down your number and information so that my daughter can call you when she moves to town? Because she that way she can have a friend. And I said, well, sure. And she was writing down, writing down my, my information. And she said, what ward are you, what ward are you in? And I said, oh, oh, I'm not, I'm not LDS. And she was writing and she said, but you're so nice. <laughs> That's great. That was worth the entire trip right there. And all of my friends, when I tell them that, or when I've told them that, they say that is so embarrassing. And I said, no, if anything, it showed me even more that there needs to be more diversity here so that people realize that, you know, we're not all, you know, the boogeyman, right? If we're not in the church. Um, and then her, her response was, have you read the Book of Mormon? And I said, yeah yeah my husband Mike's behind me and he said she's got a lot of books she's got a lot of books and then she just could not she just couldn't get over it um I don't think she was I think it really bothered her soul I I respect that but I thought that was one of the hands down one of the most coolest coolest experiences um but you're so nice <laughs> that's great did you ever get in touch with the daughter did the daughter get oh yeah but it it was worth the price of admission it was just the coolest thing because it was hilarious so i love it this is awesome yeah. and again you know you and i are unicorns uh there aren't a whole lot of us although they're coming they're coming out of the woodwork now which is cool and again i think um i think what what's happening here is we're building an alternative network of christians who are taking a different approach to uh mormonism and the restoration um one of friendship and one of trying to be Christ-like as opposed to be confrontational. I, I agree. 
I agree. And yeah, I, I 100% agree. That's, that's been my mission um, from day one, even when I, you know, read the Unveiling Grace book, which I still recommend. I, I just knew that I had to approach things from a conversational standpoint, but, you know, again, really quickly, I just learned that that's not, there was no bad experience that made me learn that that's not the approach, but, you know, the Holy Spirit just really very gently said, I don't think that's for you, Allison. I don't want you to do that. That's great. I created you to listen. (laughs) So, so, um, you, uh, you, there are a few things that happened. Of course, you, you took your, your, the trip to Nauvoo, but also you, in, in, in 2015, you also took a trip to Colorado City in 2016. Maybe t- touch on one of those and, and, and maybe go where that kind of puts you on a different tra- trajectory. Sure. Um, so because I had studied and done so much work on studying the people uh, in the fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, so where Warren Jeffs is the prophet, because I had done so much work, uh, I don't even know how it happened, but the next thing I know in 2016, I'm on the phone with Lindsay Hansen Parker, who I just messaged on Facebook within maybe an hour. She's calling me saying, I can get you hooked up. No problem. I've got someone there. Shout out to Andrew Chatwin, by the way, who is the coolest guy. We love you, Andrew. Uh, and he, he met up with us and Lindsay, Lindsay orchestrated the entire meeting. And after that, the entire friendship, and I was able to go and tour all these places that I had written about and studied about for years. And it was just, it was just a really precious experience for the community to, to open, to open their doors to strangers, strangers. Mm. So, Fascinating. Yeah. And yeah. so you actually got to meet and talk with FLDS folk? Yes, a little bit. The people at the time, of, you know, I guess now it's 2022, but at the time there were more FLDS that lived there, but I didn't really have a lot of interaction with them. I had more interaction with people who were like apostatized, but we met a couple that were one of the lead people to bring charges against Warren Jeffs and just incredible, I just incredible people, incredible community, extremely brave. And I respect them all despite a belief for difference of differences of belief I respect and love them, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Um, before I get to your trips, started taking your trips to Nauvoo, um, do we want to talk about snake handling now or do we want to talk about it later? Um, let's do it later. Okay. So start telling me, because you had told me, I remember one of the first things you told me when we first did our first Zoom says, when I die, I want my ashes spread in Nauvoo. You remember that? (laughs) Okay, here's the story. Here's the story of lovely lady. (laughs) Um, So it was in early 2015. I had a friend of mine who said, you've got to go to Nauvoo. You've got to go to Nauvoo. And we were in Tennessee and the drive was probably nine hours. 
And I thought, you know, why not? You know, it's why not? We'll make a day trip out of it. It was very last minute. And we rolled into Nauvoo and we passed the Nauvoo sign. On the drive, you know, if anybody's been to Nauvoo, you, you, you know, you drive past the Mississippi River and my husband and I held hands and we're usually, we usually don't do this a lot. We just felt like we needed to pray together on this, to this extent. And we, we held hands, you know, music was playing and, you know, we said, you know, Lord, we don't know why you want us here. You've made, you've made it possible for us to make this trip. Let it be known why you want us to be here. You know, let us be, let us be of use to you. So we drove in and I went to check in to the hotel and it's was attached to a store, um, like a gift shop. Um, I don't want to say a museum, but it was mainly like a gift shop for people that would come through town and to get your hotel key, you had to stand in line and go into the shop. Okay. <clears throat> And there was a line that formed and I had to wait in the line. And when I was in the line, I heard the woman that was checking people out, beautiful blonde woman. And she was telling someone that her son was on a mission. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, ask her about her son's mission. And I looked around and I thought, well, I'd like to know how this is going to happen, Lord, because there's people all around me. How in the world are you going to make this happen? My turn to check, check out and get my room key. Very nice lady. There's people behind me. And I walked away and I thought, well, you know, you didn't want that to happen or that wasn't the time. I, I don't know, Lord. So we went next door, very close, put our stuff in the room and I look outside and I see this, the stores closed. This was less than an hour later. The store's closing and this blonde woman is walking to her car in front of the store, okay? That happens to be across from the temple, the Nauvoo temple, okay? And I thought, well, this is it. You better run down there, Allison. No one's around her. This is it. This is it. Run, 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 run. And then act real casual walking by. And I said, oh, we've got our room. It looks great. It looks great. And she said, oh, I'm so glad you like it. And I said, yes. And she said, I said, oh, I heard you talking in the store about your son who's on a mission. Now, where is he at? And then that led to a little bit more conversation. And she said, well, I'm, I'm fine. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about it. And she was talking a little bit more about her son. And she said, I'm okay with it as long as he's talking about Jesus Christ and not the church. Hmm. Thought, well, that, that's kind of strange. And uh, she said, so what are you folks doing here? Um, you know, you, are you doing research? If this is your first time, you know, do you have relatives that came here? And I said, Nope. I am a religious studies sociologist and I help people that are in a transition of faith that want to explore other options besides the church that they were raised in. And a lot of people just want to vet. I'm not out to convert anybody. I'm just out to listen and support. And she said, you're kidding me. 
She closes the car door. She walks around it and she says, my husband and I, we no longer believe in the church. And I just was like, this woman is talking to me. It turns out she owned the hotel, the store, and a good bit, good bit of na boo. And she just came out to me as not even questioning. She has emotionally left. And I just couldn't believe it. I thought, well, that was an answer. Yeah, I, I, I had been, I, that was an answered prayer. Like within an hour, I couldn't believe it. And we spoke for a little bit longer. We exchanged information and that will always be the moment. And we're still friends and that will always be the moment. They no longer live there anymore. And I won't say the name. I'm sure people can figure it out. That's her story to tell, by the way. I, I, but I have had permission to even share, share that or I wouldn't have said anything. And to make a long story short, you know, it was in front of the temple and I thought, oh, okay, all right, Jesus, well played. That's what you want me to do. You want me to listen and come, come to find out again. I don't know if I just said it, but that was the first time she's ever vocally said that out loud to anyone. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's what's so interesting to me, Allison, is I have people reaching out to me throughout the world who don't have anybody else to talk to. Or I run into people like last time I was flying out of Utah, I'm sitting next to um, a co-pilot who's heading to work for, for the airline. And we're sitting next to each other. And I start talking to him. He's from Idaho. And he said, yeah, I read Saints about a year and a half ago. And that checked me out of the church, you know, a church of church publication. Even that had so much information in there for him that disturbed him. But a lot of these people, they don't have anybody to talk to. Like, he's not going to tell an LDS person that. But because, yeah. you know, and, and so this is what's interesting, folks. Again, Allison and I, we're not here to try to get you out of the church. No. Or, and we're just here to have conversations and listen to people. And yeah. we hear stories and people feel comfortable to tell us stories that, that you're not able to hear because they're not comfortable to tell those stories. And so we're providing a sounding board for people. Um, I do Zoom calls with people. It's almost like a counseling session sometimes. And I don't, I'm not qualified, but I'm in one sense, maybe qualified in the sense that I, I, I'm, I'm willing to listen. And then, like you said, listening is the key thing in this whole endeavor. And, uh, you know, I think that's such an awesome story about what happened in Nauvoo. I mean, that really just, like you said, like, wow, like that's like one of those, one of those God moments, right? It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And my husband was with me. And when she drove away, we were, we walked down the street. There was nobody there. It was not a traveling season. And my husband said, well, I believe the prayer was just answered. And I said, I just kept walking and I said, wow, wow, wow. Um, it just, it just so blew my mind. Um, it was crazy. And like you, like you just said, and I think I'll elaborate on this in a bit, but you know, all these years of studying and not knowing, like you, like you said on Mormon stories, all these years that you spent, you know, studying and not knowing, like, you know, oh, Steve, it's like, oh, Allison, like, why in the heck am I spending all this time reading things, investing time in something that I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with this God? Like, what do you want me to do with it? And it's all just paid off beautifully because 
I am safe. And again, I just told that story with someone. I'm sure she would be completely fine with me using her name, but uh, I, 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 would, I would rather not in case it accidentally pops out of my mouth, she would still be fine with it. But um, it was just incredible. And I'm not, I don't care if people stay in the church. If it makes you happy, you do you. But there's a lot of people that are in it their members and they need to vent. Well, I'm safe to vent to because I stay up on all the, the policies, the procedures, the history, everything. Um, and I'm trustworthy <laughs> and I care. I genuinely care. My prayer is that please, if you're going through a transition and you, you, you care to leave, please don't give up on God. But that's not my decision. That's between them. I don't tell people what to believe or that's my job is to listen. Okay. So, so being that we're Mormon book reviews, I, um, there's a few books that you had like in preparation for your Navajo experience. You wrote, uh, read American Crucifixion. Amazing. The audiobook is amazing. Most of that is centered around Navu. Uh, Navu polygamy is my favorite, favorite book. If you're into studying polygamy, I like it better than, sorry, Todd Compton. I like it better than In Sacred Loneliness um, just because of the way it's written. Those, those would be my three that, that I would recommend that I just delved in. You know, when we go, I would go, uh, let's see. We moved here in 2019. We've been a total of seven times to Nauvoo. We would go, I would go to the pageants every summer, not to watch them, but just to mingle with the people and just learn, just to learn how they view things. And we would go every January in bitter cold to do the reenactments and we were given names and it was just so fun and so powerful. Um, this is awesome. You know, it's great because you were studying it, but then you've been engaging the people for a much longer period of time than I have. Uh, one of the things that really all I had were um, podcasts or, or YouTube um, uh, personalities that I would watch, which would be like Mormon Stories of John DeLynn and Rick Bennett's Gospel Tangents were my two guys, but also RFM. I, I listened to him. There were some podcasts that you would listen to, in particular, John Larson. And also you also uh, with Mormon stories, maybe just talk about the impact that the podcast played on your journey. Well, it was before, geez, I think I started listening to Mormon expression. And I think, I think when I started listening to them or to, to John Larson, they were almost off the air, if, if not already off the air, they did a long time. And then, you know, John just said, eh, I'm, I'm done. I've, I've said all I need to say. And a friend told me about it and I just devoured his podcast because John Larson is such an incredibly intelligent, critically thinking man. Wow, does he know history of, of, of church history, uh, Utah church history. He's brilliant. And I just couldn't get enough of it. And I am proud to call him a dear friend of mine, which is a very unlikely pairing. Um, I have some friends of mine that are in, in my community and 
they're always surprised when I say that John Larson and I are friends. They're like, what? And I said, yeah, because I just adore him. And um, I, we just, there's a very much a mutual respect and just shout out to John. He's on Mormon Stories. I believe once a month they bring him in. Um, and now I, I'm not quite sure how it works, but now Mormon Stories is not only say carrying, but they're now hosting all of Mormon expressions. So if you've never heard Mormon expression, guys, go check it out. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Now he does use, he's, he doesn't have a, he doesn't have a John DeLynn mouth. So he is a bit colorful in language, mm -hmm. <laughs> but he's brilliant. <laughs> so that's great. Yeah. That's yeah great. I, mean, I should have him on, you know, I, I think we'd have a good conversation. He's amazing. He's amazing. Um, he's, he's just amazing. I think he intimidates a lot of people and he's just a gentle giant. I just love him. I love him. And we have completely different beliefs and yeah. Yeah. That's great. You know, I, I, I want to, you, you had mentioned that there was a particular episode of Mormon stories that really uh, impacted you kind of changed your life. Maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, great question, Steve. These are awesome. You're asking me some good ones. Um, let's see. So I would listen to Mormon stories all the time back through like 2011 through, well, up until now. But in 2016, I was painting some furniture and the episode was of Clay Christensen. And I believe his brother's name was. Elgren, Mount Matt Elgren. Uh, and this was the episode that changed, I believe, the trajectory of my life even more. They are their brothers-in-law, and one of them had, I don't know if he technically left the church or not, but he had a crisis of faith. And I don't recall him having a lot of support in the family. But the bond between the two brothers-in-law were, if I recall correctly, video games. And over the years, the video games would be a connection. You know, again, connecting with people, finding commonalities, no matter if it's video games or what. Find commonalities that you can connect on, not disagree on. And I recall the story that Clay had questions and he was so scared to be able to get his brother-in-law alone because he wanted to ask him where he stood on some things why did he leave what were her what were his questions and the the way they got together was under the guise of video games and when they got in person i, I hope i'm recalling this right but when they got in person they clay like uh, uh, they he just said look this is what I need to know. Why did you leave? And, and that was, that was that. And when I heard that, that was in, it had to have been 2016 because that was after we had visited many times. I thought, okay, Dina. Oh crap. I just said her name. It's okay. So the lady in Nauvoo, it's okay. She won't mind. She's, she's told me to mention her name before, but I just haven't wanted to. So the woman in Nauvoo and then telling, directly showing that I need to listen, right? And then having this episode 
let me really see that, whoa, people need to vent in Utah. People need someone to talk to. Oh man, how am I going to do this? Oh, I'm in Tennessee. What am I going to do? Uh, but I just knew I'm like, I need, no, I, I need to be out there. My husband and I need to be out there and not to convert people to offer unconditional friendship and love and to listen to people. So, and, and I, I just want to also say about John Galen, he does not have an easy job. I want to acknowledge his family for sacrificing years of essentially family time for him to, to do his work. Um, his wife and children are amazing. Um, I just thank the world of, of them for allowing and, and, you know, giving of their time with their husband and their father for other people's voices to be heard. And uh, I love the Delenn family. I just love them. So thank you, Margie and children. Thank you, John, but thank you, Margie and children. <laughs> Shout out. Yes. Amen. I think that one of the things that really struck me was, you know, I've been in contact with John Delenn almost from within a month of me starting my channel. He took an interest in me. And so him and I would message each other now and then. And then after I landed the Bushman interview, I was on the phone with him. <laughs> he called, he wanted to talk. <laughs> but I got to um, know him as a human being. And one of the most unfortunate things with him is that he's either a demigod or he's the devil in Utah, you know, and, and, and it, but he's actually a, a human being. And people, um, it's like they just, they project so much onto him, whether they either really, really love him or they really, really hate him. And, and that's a very difficult place to be. And I just want to tell people, John Glenn is a human being, just like the rest of us. And he's got flaws, just like Allison and I have. Um, but I think it's important that, you know, he's on a journey as well. <clears throat> and we need to honor his journey. And we also look, and I even told him, I, I told him, and I mentioned this in the Mormon Stories interview, I said, John, I think you're gonna be a pastor one day. And he laughs and jokes about it. But but I think that he has a pastor's heart. I do too. I do too. Um, you know, I wasn't planning on saying this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it because usually I, I'm already an unconventional person, so I don't have anything to lose. You know, we all may not agree with one another on so many things. Uh, people in, you know, like you and I that are in the Never Mormon club that care about people, no matter what, you know, their journey is or what their beliefs are. Um, you know, he, he's, I, I understand all sides of people when they speak about John, because everyone's entitled to their opinion. But in my community out here, how do I phrase this? Because I really think it's important to say it. If you are associated with having connections with John Delenn as a biblical Christian, that's a problem. It's a problem. And I've encountered it and I'm going to say it. <laughs> I'm going to come out about it. 
and um, it's a problem and it's been a problem for me and I don't care. I'm going to say it. I don't care. I would rather be in some areas kind of pushed off in some Christian communities as, uh, uh, John DeLynn, Mormon stories, they're so liberal. Uh, mm, I, I don't care because um, this whole group of people are my family. I claim them. I claim them like you have been claimed by John as family. We all are not going to agree. But if you show support to John, I mean, you know, Sandra Tanner's the GOAT, so she can, so she can get by with anything. But um, Mormon stories will always, will always have my vote, no matter what topics are, are, are told. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's my little rant. So I think there needs to be more understanding and Christ-like love. Um, I don't know. That's it. <laughs> uh, that's that's great. You know, I want to I want to actually just address something because you had mentioned this that ties into the whole idea of Utah Christian culture. I'm being very vulnerable, by the way. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and actually, I think that's important to be. Look, see, this is the problem that I think a lot of Christian ministries have is they put up a facade, and they also uh, they don't. Um, I think it's important that we be transparent, and we be uh, vulnerable. And that, and we are relational uh, rather than confrontational. 100% agree. And I don't know, you know, it's just such a fine line here, especially. I can only speak for someone that I've moved, I moved here in 2019. I knew what I was getting into. I studied where exactly we were going to move, my husband and I did. But what I did not expect is how unique the Christian culture is here towards people <laughs> in the church. And, and it's, a, it's an attitude oftentimes of, you know, we're better than you and you know you guys don't know what you're doing and look I, I don't care if people think I'm going the, to the what's the bottom level Steve that's not the terrestrial it's um celestial yeah I, I don't care about that I don't care I don't care I don't care people can think that doesn't matter a rip to me what matters to me is that people that live here that move out here out of state to come to, you know, quote unquote, witness and convert people to biblical Christianity, um, you know, you need to have some humility. And I think the, the, I think the idea of humility is rather non-existent out here. Um, there's, uh, there's some ministries that I think are fantastic. Faith After Mormonism is one of them. Ross Anderson, Faith After Mormonism, they're, they are fantastic. There's, there needs to be some humility in my community and they need to be just as teachable as they're asking the Mormons to be. And I don't see it happening. And that's where it's a problem. And yeah, it's, 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 it's a problem. So, and to be teachable, 
you have to be vulnerable. Well, you know, vulnerability is really hard. Oh my gosh, you're going to get burned. You know, it's, you're going to get burned. You're being vulnerable. But that's what happens when you trust God. He's got a plan. That's what I believe. He's got a plan. And you just, I don't know, be teachable. It goes both ways. And to be teachable, you become trustworthy. And you have also mentioned unconditional friendship. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So people always say, so why did you move to Utah? Like Utah? And we always wanted to retire out here. And, and um, all of it early 2019, along with a whole bunch of people, my husband uh, lost his job, like out of nowhere. And on the ride home, uh, one of us mentioned, we have no children. And that's really abled us. I feel like I always have to say by choice because everyone, especially in, you know, the, the, the community is like, oh, children, I'm so sorry. We're good. Um, we, we decided, you know, it's now or never. Are we going to do this? Is this one God wants us to move out here? We moved out here not to convert people. We are, you know, not to get people to believe what we believe. Nope, 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 nope. We came out here to offer what Utah is lacking, especially Utah Valley, unconditional friendship and love, no matter what you believe or don't believe. We want to be your friend and love you. So, you know, one of the people that kind of came into your life and kind of had an impact on the, uh, on the, I don't know, I call it the post-Mormon community or just in general, was that you, um, you befriended Haley Everts. Hallie. Talk about that. Oh, I'm sorry. How, 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 yeah, how like Halle Berry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I did ask her if, if she was okay with me using her name. And again, my more, can I, can I just show this off one more time, the mug? Not a problem. As a matter of fact, I'll just put the hat on while you're drinking your coffee there. And we'll go. There you go. <laughs> so I had, I had followed Hallie. She was a, on YouTube. She had written a book called why I left the Mormon church and came back because she was originally a convert. And I had just been following her for years on YouTube. And quite frankly, I thought she was a mess. I'm just, I'm being honest. Now she knows Now she knows how I felt. And I just thought this is a train wreck waiting to happen. Her shelf, you know, the, the proverbial shelf, how, you know, you put things on people that, you know, they're not quite sure They they keep putting items on the shelf that they're not quite sure of. And, you know, pretty much the shelf gets bent and then what is, what's going to happen to where it breaks, you know, um, where are you, where are you going to fall? And, you know, the, the pandemic really, I heard, I had heard from a lot of people, but over the years, Hallie and I, uh, I would write her little things, uh, you know, like a message about like one day she was selling like, well, she wasn't selling, but it was like a link to something that she used. And I wrote her for a coupon code. And one day I said, if you're ever out in Utah, she lived, lived in Arizona. I said, if you're ever out in Utah, I would love to take you to lunch. Um, and she, I told her what I did and she's like, oh, thank you. That's so nice. Yada, 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 like Seinfeld. Um, and then 
in 2021 of April 1st, she did a Instagram post of her in a bikini and it said, hashtag great and spacious building. And I thought, oh snap, what has happened? You don't joke about being in the great and spacious building on April Fool's Day if you're in the church. It's just not something that people would joke about. And I thought, whoa, this is going to be interesting. And within, within five minutes, um, she, she reached out and she said, don't you do something with religion and helping people? And I thought, here it comes. And um, I told her and, you know, she immediately, you know, I, I'll leave it at that. But we were on the phone within that night. And actually after she reached out or before she reached out, whatnot, I hit, I literally hit my knees and I said, I, Lord, I believe this is it. Please use me to the best of your ability. You know, let me not, let me just be of use however you want me to be. You know, if it's for her to vent, if it's for her needing support, leaving, whatever it is, use me. And he did, he did. And then within um, about, I don't know, about a month later, she was on Mormon Stories and I I did not want her to go on. 100% on the fact I did not want her to go on. I thought she's too new into her transition. And she wanted me to attend with her just for support. You never know. And I, I stayed quietly down the hallway in another room, um, just in case she needed to say to John, hey, time out, I need a break. And if she needed to come down the hallway to talk, I was there. And John, John just treated her with such class and, and dignity and sensitivity. I just was so grateful. And I, I, I didn't even know how, I didn't even know, I thought she did good. And then I, then, you know, from what I understood, and then when the interview came out, I thought, wow, this is really good. This woman's really articulate, but I didn't know she would be that articulate. And just her story was incredible. I just kept watching, kept watching the views climb. And now, Steve, I think she's number two or three out of the most viewed. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. And, and th didn't you help actually kind of facilitate that interview, even though you didn't want her to do it or, or did, or did he reach out to her? How did that go? No, no, no. He reached out to her. No, 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 no. Okay. At all. No. And, and I wasn't, you know, barring her from going in. I wasn't saying don't go in. I was just saying, you know, Hallie, you, you really, do you want to wait a little while? Because this is really new. This is happening so fast. Um, you know, John's a very respectful man, but he may ask you questions that you may not be willing to talk about. And he was just, you know, he, he was just incredible. And um, it, was a, it was a really great experience to be in the building and to drive home. And I believe I was crying driving home on Interstate 15, thanking God for the ability to live here so that I could sit down the hall while wow. you know what i'm saying like yeah, yeah, wow no, that's that's amazing yeah i mean that's wow you know i i, I guess i want to just ask you you know one of the things like i said at the beginning was that sandra tanner told me about you mm -hmm. and i 
And then, and then we, it took a few months, but then we, you and I were in contact with each other. And I just remember when our first conversation was like, oh yeah, we're both on the same page. Cause I even thought like when I was doing something, I wonder what, so I didn't know your name. So I wonder what that girl, I kept on thinking that girl in Utah, that Christian girl in Utah, I wonder what she's thinking about this episode or whatever. And uh, when I talked to you, it was like, oh good. She's, she's, we're very similar, but I really want to get back. I want you to talk about your relationship with Sandra Tanner and what she means to you. Okay, I'm gonna try not to cry. I don't think I will. Okay. Um, so I reached out to Sandra probably 2012, I think, um, wanting advice on how to get in contact with people in my area, if she knew anyone in my area that I could contact to help kind of facilitate me wanting to help people. And I wrote a couple of other people. And quite honestly, I thought that she would be the last person that would respond because she's probably so busy. Um, and she was the first person to respond, gave me detailed information of who to contact. And that that just meant so much to me. I... I I was blown away at how hospitable she was. And I am sure that she is that way with everyone. But it really hit home to me as a female. Since, well, before I moved here, I was really hesitant to meet her. And then a, a friend told me, oh, no, you need to go meet her. She loves people that have never been Mormon that care. I was like, oh, my gosh, are you sure? Yes, yes, go meet her. And what I don't tell a lot of people is I actually took a nerve pill before I met her because I was so nervous. I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> I admit it. Okay. She was just the most gracious woman. And we, we sat and we spoke for a while and she was just incredibly supportive. Um, I think my advice to her was, you know, what do you do when you're so tired from just listening to people? And this was when I lived in Tennessee and she said, well, I go next door and take a nap. I was like, yes, you do, Sandra. Yes, you do. Yep. I like that. Um, right. And That's then great. here, so I, I realized the other day that she and I have been friends for, I think, well, that we've met in 2014 or 15. So I think we've been friends for seven and eight years, like tangible. Mm -hmm. um, and since I've moved here, she has just been, an incredible support system for, for me um, as a woman out here that is trying to serve Jesus in a land where there are not a lot of women doing what I am doing. And it's hard. It's hard because it's hard. It's not easy. It's not easy to be a woman. And I'm not trying to sound like a martyr and I'm not trying to, you know, pull the female card, you know, that kind of thing, but it's not, it's not easy to be a woman out here, especially in, in a lot of times the Christian community, it's not hard. I'm, 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 I don't know if you can tell, but I'm not very meek. Um, but I do what Jesus tells me to do. He's my boss. She has been an invaluable source of encouragement to me along the way. And, you know, we joke about her being the goat, but 
she's, she's been the greatest inspiration in my life as a woman in ministry um, on how to love people and be frank. Uh, I just, I adore and I love you, Sandra. <laughs> no to you too sandra we love you thank you so much for everything that you've done you know i've talked to you before how you know uh, sandra still has her fastball she's still on top of the game but you know she's getting you know up there and 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 she's irreplaceable and i was telling i mentioned to you on a conversation i think there's probably like dozens of people that would maybe take on her mantle it would literally be dozens not just one person and i think you're one of those people that's going to take on part of her mantle. I think I'm, I feel like in some sense, I, I feel like a little bit of Gerald, um, Gerald's mantle, because I think him and I have like a similar mindset. Um, it, it, it was never about, um, it was all about just wanting to get the information out there and, and reading and studying and researching and let people then on their own decide what they want to do. So, and then, and then I'm gonna, you know what, I'm going to give, I'm going to say another person who's probably going to be inherit her legacy um, I was a little rough on you on my Mormon Stories interview, but Aaron Shalafalaf, you you are probably going to be one of those people. And the reason why is because I want to honor you for putting out that YouTube channel where you have yeah. all of Sandra Tanner's uh, old like TV appearances and stuff. So I want to give you props, Aaron Shalafalaf. I know you don't seem to care for me, uh, <laughs> but I want to honor you by saying that, you know, props to you for, for doing that. And I know Sandra was very touched by it as well. Yeah, you know, and the thing is, is that I pray that I can be part of the group that carries on, you know, just by loving people. You know, I've got a huge section down there, the black books. That's, uh, you know, all the, tan the Tanner stuff that I try to hand out to people when they need it and, and that kind of thing. But, um, you know... The people I think that are going to take over, I hope are a rich amount of people with different backgrounds that don't always agree on the same things. And I believe that's okay. Mm -hmm. you know, we are here to build bridges and have intellectual dialogue with critical thinking. Um, so if I can serve as a small part in that, um, I am honored to do that even one day so yeah so props to, to everyone and yeah this is a quite a endeavor it's an amazing thing what Gerald and Sandra built and we want to honor them and what they've done so I have to um so one of the things I have to talk to you about is you're also of course you mentioned you're interested in Scientology and other religious expressions but you actually uh, have quite a, a lot of knowledge and about snake handling Pentecostal holiness snake handlers in Appalachia, I guess, right? Well, yes. <laughs> so growing up, my part of my family was from Eastern Kentucky. And no, they were not snake handlers. But I do remember when I was young, um, you know, driving by, you know, co this coal mining area. So very diverse group of churches most of them were you know I don't I don't want to I wouldn't say like church of God you know what is the Christopher top what is what his, is his is church of God Cleveland Tennessee yeah okay so and I don't I don't think it's necessarily church of God I think that I think the the word is holiness Pentecostal probably they throw in church of God at the end I really don't yeah. know yeah they they all, 
yeah, they, they all have all different kinds of titles, every one, and they kind of sound the same. But the, the, the overall belief is what's called oneness. Um, oneness, Pentecostal holiness. And so growing up, I would, I really would go by churches and I would always think when we were in the car, oh, I wonder if they snake handle in there, Ooh, you know, um, and I don't know, I, I, I don't know that, that, that was always a curiosity of, of mine and just kind of like a, not necessarily a folklore, but it was always interesting to me. So, and uh, I don't know what it was. It was probably in like 2012 they ran an article in Tennessee. They ran an article that went statewide about this family um, in Eastern Tennessee that did snake handling in their services. And there was a big, big lawsuit about, you know, whether they can have the right to do this or not as part of their religious belief. And I was just inc incredibly fascinated with it in the middle of being fascinated with the Mormon church. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just, I get really, it's just interesting to me. So I befriended a lot of these people on Facebook because that's their main mode of like, you know, proselytizing is through Facebook. I instantly, after I read that, hopped on Facebook and they, all these people accepted me as friends. And man, I went down a deep rabbit hole of just a different culture in and of itself, um, not people were not hiding what they believed on on Facebook. They would openly post pictures of them handling snakes during the service. Wow, that's pretty well. Did they also drink like poison in their services too? Um, yes, it was the belief of Christopher Thomas will get this better. Not that he, I'm, I know he doesn't believe it, but I know he will get this right if you ask him. It's um, that, you know, when you, it's in the Bible, I don't know where, but it's, it's in the you know, mark. Thank you. Uh, you. You know, if you take, take up servants, you shall not be harmed. Uh, believe it's like poison and then fire and all this kind of stuff. And around that time, right after the article went public, uh, they, Nat Geo, National Geographic Channel, offered this church a reality show and I thought it was incredibly well done they left out a lot of personal life issues and focused mainly on their passion for believing that copperheads and serpent handling should be in the church I thought it was incredibly well done the documentary is was called snake salvation and it followed two different families um and unfortunately, one of those men has now passed away because he got bit and didn't refuse, you know, he refused medical help, but he is in that documentary. <clears throat> and if anybody wants to see it, I highly recommend it. I think it's like four episodes and you can get it, I don't know, through Nat Geo, probably on Amazon. Again, I endorse it and I'm picky. Okay. Good. Good to know. Can't handle it. Don't watch it if you can't handle snakes. So after the documentary aired and I became friends with uh, this gentleman's wife, one of the pastor's wives and a couple of people that went to church, my husband and I decided that we were going to go to a church. We were going to go to their church. Why not? It wasn't that far from us visiting in the Smoky Mountains. And we kept saying all the way up to 
pulling into the to the church. I can't believe we're going to do this. I can't believe we're going to do this. <laughs> but they knew we were coming. So nice. Uh, they were not out to convert us or anything. They just knew why we were coming. They knew my intent, that my intent was to support their belief. It's If that's their belief, hey, we support you. Um, as long as, I hate to say it, but as long as the snakes are, are taken care of, um, it really didn't bother me. When we walked in, I kid you not, okay, I'm going to use an accent that's very Southern, okay? I'm Southern anyway, but just picture this. Uh, we walk in and the gentlemen, they're like, welcome, we are, then they're young. We are so glad that you guys came. God bless you. Yeah, we've got, we've got serpents today. Yeah, we're going to be using them. Don't worry. They stay underneath the pew at the front of the church, which is where we were walking into, by the way. And he said, all that we ask from visitors and first-time people is that you just stay behind this yellow line. Just don't pass this yellow line. And it was like a yellow row of duct tape that was you don't cross it because that's where the snakes are going to be with people holding them. Wow. And then I looked down and we said, that's not going to be a problem. <laughs> and we went to the, pretty much near the back of the church and the church service lasted for, I, I guess, at least three hours. They kept going and going and going. And the cadence that the pastor used, it was just so predictable yet fascinating. And the music was incredible. One of the lyrics to the song, one of the songs was, I got the devil under my feet. And they would, you know, I got the devil under my feet. You know, just let me regret it. Everything sounded, all the music sounded the same, but boy, did they have the Holy Spirit. And it was incredible speaking in tongues. And then all of a sudden they whipped out the snakes. And, you know, we weren't scared because they stayed behind the yellow line and we were way in the back by the exit door and we just weren't worried. They didn't take them into the congregation. And this one gentleman, this was interesting. You know, one of the things is if you touch something with fire, their belief is you will not be harmed. And this young man took a propane torch. I think that's, I think that would be the the, I think that would be what it would be, a smaller propane torch. And, you know, they're all hypnotized and, and you know, the, the spirit and they're, they're hypnotized and he's dancing around and he takes a blow torch and starts dancing, holding the torch up to his hand. And I thought, well, this ain't going to be good. You know, I guess he'll be fine. And he walked back over to the pew on the side where the serpents were. And he did like this. He looked down at his hand and he went, like that and I was like it harmed you didn't it but I, you know, I didn't say that but it was just it was crazy just I, I don't think I'd go back again uh I, I saw Mike and I saw everything we needed to see that first time and they were lovely people and by gosh we stayed behind that big yellow line awesome Thank you so much for sharing this great story. Now, just before we wrap up, you actually want to uh, acknowledge a uh, an author that acknowledged you. Yes, uh, during all this, during the publication, uh, the, this this um, author wrote the, the 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 newspaper article that went, uh, you know, statewide about this family, 
and she had written a book, Julia, I think her pronounced name is Duin, D-U-I-N, and it's called In the House of the Serpent Handler, and I am credited, which was so kind. I was credited um, as one of the people um, that were helping to provide um, you know, serving as sounding boards and monitoring social media at times when she couldn't and providing some pictures. And it was just so kind. I never expected that. But, you know, my curiosity and obsession with um, certain faiths and sex, um, totally unexpected. And um, shout out to you, Julia, because that was super kind, super kind of you to do that. That's so cool. That's so awesome. You know, uh, before we wrap up, Allison, um, first of all, if people want to contact you, what's the best way to contact you? Uh, the best way to contact me, I prefer, is through Facebook private messaging. It's much easier than email for me. So I'm on Facebook. I keep my friends list very limited because I am very private with people that I'm helping. Um, so out of their privacy, just message me um, at Allison Biggers on Facebook. Uh, send me a message and I will check I will check it and get back to you as soon as possible. You know, if you, if anybody just wants to vent, I have some, some, some contacts um, in person or online that you can, that you can go to. And, you know, the people that I work with do not try to get anybody to leave the church. We are here to support you and, and even vent if you're a frustrated member, or if you're like a really big history nerd in the church, uh, hit me up because I would love to talk church history with you. <laughs> great. This is great. You know, I didn't, it's interesting too, because, you know, I've, I've been hearing from people throughout the world and, you know, it's really interesting. Actually, a lot of women have been reaching out to me. Um, and, and, and in a couple instances, uh, they mentioned to me how they were kind of on their way out of the church, but they mm -hmm. actually got re-engaged with their faith after watching my Mormon stories interview, which you know, that's pretty interesting. You, know, you, don't, you just don't expect what kind of results, what you're doing and what I'm doing. You don't, you, if you let the Holy Spirit operate through you and you try not to force people into a certain direction, but you just let them at least be able to engage what you're trying to do and have conversations. I think that then it, it, they're able to, wherever their journey leads them, we're not trying to put the, tell them where to go. No, it, it, it doesn't work when you do that way it's not I I'm, I don't I don't subscribe to that you know I don't I I do not you know the the the, the restored gospel is not so I'm open about the fact that it is not for me but however I can support people is all that matters so cool cool being so well I think we're well, I want to wrap this thing up I just want to ask you do you have any final words you'd like to share with my audience yeah, I'm just, I'm just so thankful of everyone that I have met throughout the years. There's, there's so many people that I could thank and all the people in Tennessee and through the people that are in the fundamentalist faith that some are some of my best friends that have allowed me and trusted me enough to let me into their lives is is my reason for living. I am so grateful that Jesus has enabled me to, to be accepted into 
their community and loved and be loved by me. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. I guess that's it. Yeah. Thank you for being patient, for having me on. Uh, it was time, you know, a lot of people have asked me, they've always asked me, but it's gotten to the point where they're like, what do you do exactly? And so, uh, I don't know how many interviews I'll be giving after this. I don't anticipate a lot. I don't really want that, but it is time. And I knew that you are my never Mormon brother from a never Mormon mother. So I feel like if I, I don't believe in a pre-existence, but if I did, I think you and I would be siblings. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Love it. So uh, thank you so much, Allison, for coming onto the program today. You're, you're the bomb. I think you're going to be a future goat. <laughs> um, so Jesus, anyway, goat. <laughs> what's that? Repeat that. Jesus is the goat. Got it. All right. Well, folks, thanks so much for joining uh, my program today and uh, listening to Allison's story. Again, it's a pretty remarkable story, and it's just great to hear all these uh, uh, all these different voices. And uh, this is what this channel is all about. So I just want to remind you to don't forget to like and subscribe and hit the notification button for when a new episode comes out. Uh, our podcast is growing. We are on all the major podcast formats in addition to YouTube. Uh, about a quarter of my audience now is downloading. So we're getting a lot of downloads on, the, on, on that now. Very exciting. Uh, if you want to reach me, it's mormonbrookreviews at gmail.com. If you wish to financially support the channel, you can go via uh, Patreon or PayPal. I'll leave links in the description. I'm going to try to leave links for a lot of the books and things that we talked about in the description as well. Um, and again, I look forward to hearing your comments. Uh, you know, if you, you know, re reach out to us or if you have any comments about this, uh, this video and this interview, I always love hearing from my audience. I just want to remind you to have yourself a great day and be well.